Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. A Dear Media original podcast. Welcome to Wine Face, y'all, where we're breaking down everything the experts know about wine in a fun, digestible, and accessible way, because wine is for enjoying and wine is for everyone. I'm your host, Helen Johannesson from Helen's Wines in beautiful Los Angeles, California. And today, oi, today, like H-O-Y, like as Oy, I am incredibly lucky to have a wonderful guest who has been such a, to me, big part of rocking the national food scene from her home base in Austin, Texas. Sarah Mardon Biggie is in the house with me. She is the owner of Nixta Taqueria with her husband, Edgar Rico, who, you know, actually used to work for us out here in LA. Shout out Edgar. But this podcast isn't about you today, but he's great. Nixta Taqueria is such a special place. They won a James Beard Award last year. Sarah is an owner and she runs the operations and launched their wine program for this monumental restaurant. She's incredibly smart. She's eloquent and she's one hell of a hospitality operations whiz. She has a passion for people. You know, it's just so evident and for hospitality and it shines as bright as her amazing spirit. I'm really excited for you all to learn a little bit about Nixta, their philosophy, what they're doing, her origins. What does Persian hospitality mean to her? Oh, Sarah, I feel like it was yesterday, but it was actually like a month ago that I was riding in the back of your forerunner with your husband, yes. Edgar, and it had that old forerunner leather smell. And I was like, this is hospitality. They're driving us back to our hotel. But Sarah, you're such a badass. Can you tell everybody a little bit about, you know, who you are, what you own, what, how much of a badass you are? why they're going to like need to listen to this whole episode to learn about how to do their life better. Yeah. I mean, if they want to learn anything about me, they should come ride along in a forerunner. <laughs> we'll blast Shania. It's going to be great. Oh, uh, so good. Uh, my, my name is Sarah Martin Biggie. I co-own Little Taqueria here in Austin, Texas. It's called Nixa Taqueria. I co-own it with my better half, my 
the yin to my yang, the Mario to my Luigi, Eureka. And we've been running this little baby for almost four years now, four years in October. It's been a wild ride, you know, opening up a business four months before the pandemic is every new business owner's dream. But we got through that, learned some things, drank some things, won some things, and we're here now. But yeah, called Awesome My Home for the past almost 13 years. So feeling good about that. Oh my gosh. You're like, I I feel like LA, I've been here almost a little over 13. So we're like in parallel city universes. Everyone needs to go to Nixta Taqueria. I just went. It's a game changer. The food is like next level. And the hospitality is insane. The operation is super tight. And the wine list is like so on point. It's curated. It's small. It's beautiful. I had such it like everything has so much thought and care. Did you always see yourself here? Like your James Beard award winning restaurant owner, budding Taqueria empire. Like, had you seen this for your future? Did you dream it? Yeah, this sounds very nihilistic, but I don't really have dreams. Okay. I have more like instincts and feelings about like, this feels right. Mm -hmm. And then I lean into that. So if there's certain opportunities or people or things that really like inspire me, then I just kind of go for it. But I will say this photo resurfaced a couple of nights ago, my baby friend, Mohammed texted it to me and I've known him my whole life. There's very few Persians. I grew up in Arkansas. We were very close knit. And it's this photo of us at his birthday party. And we're all kids. I'm a baby. So it's my (laughs) two sisters, my baby friend, Muhammad. And everyone's like looking at the camera. And I'm this like chunky Michelin baby. And I'm looking (laughs) off at something. It's definitely like kebab, like Persian kebab or like cake or something. Laser focus. So there's two photos. And there's the first photo of me like, very intently staring at me. And then there's another photo of me lunging for it (laughs) off of the couch. So I would say, yeah, I think my destiny has always been in food somehow. But I think, you know, and I'm not sure if you have one, but every person I've ever encountered says I have a Persian friend. And if you've ever gone over to their house, and it's just an abundance of warmth and love. Mm. And so my upbringing was not so much of a you know, let's have a white linen table and let's have this very fancy five course meal. It was always very homey. I grew up in Arkansas. A lot of folks there didn't know really what Persian food meant. And I would always be my friends over. Mm. They would look at this bubbling green stew called, you know, Horish Sabzi. Um, <laughs> oh, and they'll look at it and be like, or Horma Sabzi, there's two names, but they would come and be like, what is this? And my mom would pour them a plate, they would gobble it up. And then before they could say anything else, they have another heaping plate of it. So (laughs) it's just like, welcome into my home. I don't want you to feel like it's stuffy. We're all friends here. How can I best take care of you? Obviously, you're taking the shoes off. But like, other than that, it's like, you're the king in our house and we're going to take care of you. As one should. Shoes off at the door makes so much sense. Like, why try? Do you know how much... Dirt. How much shit people walk in? Literally all sorts of just... It's disgusting. You know, it's disgusting. I forget sometimes, like very rarely, but I'm like, ah, I get my shoes off. This is a side note, but I don't understand why people spit in general on the streets. Like you have so much saliva that you have to like excrete it from your <laughs> mouth and then it's on your... Anyway, that's a whole different I don't topic, like but yeah. spitting 
Like, regardless, except if you're tasting wine and you're at work, I really believe in spitting them. But yeah, like, why spit? It's so aggressive. I, you know what, sadly did not grow up with a Persian friend. That makes me sad. I feel like I really missed out. I think this experience would have been right up my alley. And now I wish I could rewind the clock. I mean, growing up in New York City, yeah, it just wasn't in my friend Rolodex. And I'm sad, but I know you have one now. I know. I know you now. Sounds like you always felt hospitality in your life and you always knew you wanted to go into hospitality. You know, the warmth and the plates of food never ending in front of you. Is that Persian hospitality? Like, how do you take that and translate it into Nixta and what you're doing today? Yeah. So there is two parts of Persian hospitality, and I think it really lends itself to hospitality in general. There's, you know, the pragmatic side of it where the technical side needs to be, you know, lined up. You're constantly always observing, you're editing, you're doing all those things, but it comes like very naturally. And the second part of it is an emotional side. Mm. So Persian hospitality is a blend of those two things, which I think in any restaurant that makes you walk away and have this you know, you think about it for a while. It's usually because those things are harmoniously blending in together. And so that is the sense of Nixa. Like you walk in and you notice that, you know, I don't know if you noticed, but I noticed that the tiles are a bit mismatched. And you're like, I think some person here put these together. It doesn't look like a designer and architect did that. <laughs> you walk in and there's all of these different tchotchkes, then you think, okay, this feels like it wasn't someone's house before. It wasn't bought for this restaurant. It was just a part of someone's life. Mm-hmm. And so Nixta is an extension of our home. If mm-hmm. you come to our house and you go to Nixta, you get that same sense. Mm-hmm. And even before we opened up, Edgar, Edgar and I had this like whirlwind romance where we did everything first before we should have done the other thing. We said, I love you. Like after two weeks, we moved in after a month, we opened up a restaurant and then eventually we got engaged and then eventually got married. And during that time, we would have so many friends over at our house and they would joke around and say, oh, you guys should open up a restaurant. I was like, LOL. Yeah, right. Because I, I would see Edgar working like 70 plus hours a week. And I'm like, I miss him. Yeah. And there was one day that we were hosting this like French noir dinner in our backyard. Wait, so chic. What? Yeah, it was, it was beautiful. We had like the candelabras, we had like red roses and it just, we had a French DJ who was like chain smoking (laughs) and like 60 years old playing like French techno. As you should. And then (laughs) And then it started pouring as it does sporadically here in Texas. And then so we pivoted, moved everything inside, and then sort of made like these mini restaurant worlds inside of our house. Amazing. And at that point, it was like, it felt so natural that whenever we did decide to open up the restaurant together, I was really scared, but I felt like it's nothing that felt unfamiliar to me Mm. in the way of, right, like, all you're doing is that you're having a really great party with your friends and you just want to make sure that everyone is taken care of. And going back to like the feel of Nixta, there's just, I mean, there's little touches that make you feel happy. Like there's a bubble machine and who doesn't love bubbles <laughs> when you're waiting? Like, you know, there's, 
I don't know. It's a little bit charm. The day that you came, our internet went out, so there was. I didn't notice. No and as you said, <laughs> well, thing. I was like, I felt enveloped by warmth and like bright colors and positive vibes and deliciousness. So you guys were like, I'm so sorry. There's no music. I was like, yeah, there was the music in my mind because it was being blown. As you said, you and Edgar are a yin to the yang. So I feel like this is my yin and yang. I feel like it makes it makes sense. There's so much harmony there. I feel like you two did what so many people want to do, you know, Obviously not, you know, a lot of people want to fall in love and open a business with their partner. But what you did was you kind of did it by yourself. Like you put it together. You put yourselves in a vulnerable state. And I think that's so inspiring. I get a lot of people who listen to this podcast ask me, like, how do I start? How do I do it? And you kind of talked about this when we met each other about how you started the wine program. Could you like, was that really challenging? Like, how did you just do it? You know, like, did you feel like you were starting from ground zero? And what was your strategy? For sure. I mean, at that point, I think I was, the depth of my knowledge was going to HEB, which is our, you know, grocery store that everyone adores. And I would get the, what is that? Snoop Dogg wine, the like 99 wines or, (laughs) and, you know, I was like, oh, this is so cool. It's affordable. And I virtually knew nothing about wine. Edgar like has introduced me to all the bougie things of life, like foie gras and like, <laughs> let me show you what a pet nut is. And like, <laughs> let me show you about, like Chablis. And I'm like, all right, yeah, this is cool. But for me, I felt like the way that I approached wine, if you approach it in the way that's like, okay, it feels very overwhelming. There's all of these different regions. There's all these different varietals, all of that. Like, you're never, you have to understand the foundational first, which is that it is a grape. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's a grape. And what are they doing with this grape? They're, you know, making it into juice and then they're <laughs> making it into juice in different ways. So I started like baseline there. I knew that. So in our restaurant, we make some wise corn. We get our corn from farmers in Oaxaca, from San Martin de Tejete. We had a very focused small menu and the star, the canvas was the corn. So I was like, okay, if we care about the farmers and we care about their employment rights and we care about how they're treating the land, then it's probably the same way with wine. And it it took a, just some research, honestly, like I'm a lifelong learner. So if I don't really know a lot about something, I'm just going to dive into it. Mm. So with Warren, I quickly learned, and he did introduce me actually to your podcast, which taught me a lot. Really? And I'm not, just, I'm not gassing <laughs> you up as the kids say, but it was like a really great approachable way to think about wine. And so it was at that point that I was discovering the differences between conventional wine, low intervention wine, what that means. And essentially it's just, someone caring about what they're making without interfering with it too much. And I'm like, oh, it's just like if you buy, if you're in Greece and you're having this amazing tomato versus you go into the grocery store and that tomato tastes like nothing. Like that's the same thing with wine and how much you want to manipulate it. So it wasn't daunting. It was just like, I knew that I had to figure out like what was going to fit with our program. Yeah. And Like, did you start by like tasting wines, thinking about the corn, thinking about the tacos? Like, were you going at it from a pairing mindset or from like a drinking mindset or a customer mindset? 
I was thinking about the menu mostly and like how concise and focused it was and how when I, there was an instance when we had just, we were celebrating something and we went into this pretty nice restaurant and they brought out an iPad and it had probably like 25 pages of wine on it. And I felt like that's the last thing I want to do for me. It's like hospitality is breaking things down and like bite-sized ways that feels very inclusive and I was like I want to keep the wine menu small so we started out with no more than 10 wines on our menu which is pretty reflective of how it is now because ultimately I was like I want to choose bottles that can pair with anything on the menu you can buy a bottle and you can have a whole meal and it's going to carry through and it's not all Riesling like it's varied it's (laughs) nuanced and so whenever I was first tasting wine and I called a friend of mine who owns a winery and I was like, Hey, how does wine work? And how, <laughs> how does, how does costing work? And how does, and I was just calling industry friends. How do you do it? Yeah. Who do you like working with? Why do you like working with them? So I started kind of curating this list of importers. I really like distributors, reps. I really like, and just started tasting and asking the most basic questions like, Oh, you're talking about maceration. What is maceration? Or like they would say certain things that I'd write it down for later to research, but I don't, I think it's such a miss when people don't just ask the questions that they're thinking because there's a resource right in front of you. And like most, more often than not, they want to guide you in the right way. So I approached as like a kindergartner learning about (laughs) wine and it's always evolving, right? Like there's different methods, there's different producers, there's different just with climate change, things are different it's, when wine, like you're seeing a lot more co-ferments. Like, yeah. So, I mean, during the pandemic, I, I wanted to go through the the court, but it kept getting canceled, obviously. So WSET had online courses. So I did a, a few of those, I, did, I think three of the certifications. So I wanted to understand like foundationally how they farm it, how, how they ferment it, what the regions were, what some of the estates were. So I, I didn't walk in like totally blind. Yeah. And I can feel like I knew what I was talking about, but not so deep in there that, you know, my pursuit is never becoming a sommelier. It was more so like, how how can I be the best steward of the restaurant and knowing like a little bit about everything so I can really listen to what the guest is asking for and provide that like feel for them. Like, what are you usually like drinking? Like, what, how are you feeling today? And usually, you know, many, many times in developing the wine program, I was thinking about like, what are those holes that I see? And I was saying during the pandemic that a lot of the wine clubs were, here's a box of wine. Yeah. Take it home and read this letter about this box of wine, but there's no like discussion. Yeah. So then after the pandemic was, you know, winding down, I mean, this has a really wind wound down. I don't know. I think so. Um, I don't know. Yeah. As I was I was in a in a better place. Like we created this wine club called Sholovino. And so it's X O L O V I N O. And it's sort of a play on words. So Sholo Winkle is this indigenous dog you find in Oaxaca. Amazing. It's meant to be the spirit guide from one world to the other. Oh. So essentially like the idea of us during this, it, it was like an experiential wine club. So we would bring in folks, we bring in probably like, I don't know, up to 50 guests. And there was always a theme around it. So 
one of the themes was like perseverance. And so that year there happened to be a lot of wildfires. There were floods, there mm. was freezing in the Loire, like yeah. there were, you know, late frost, whatever it was. And so we were choosing wines of like those regions and, you know, how they were adapting. And then there was this like discourse around wine rather than like, hey, taste this with me. It's more of a discussion of like, the world of wine is so big, but let's sort of like tackle it in smaller pieces. I love this club. It's like really a club. Like there's like, and then pause the music and we're going to discourse. We're going to discuss. That's so, do you still do it? Yeah. So we, it, it was had a lot of stuff, but we did like almost two, a year and a half of it every month. And then we sort of have been doing a hybrid of that in something else called Cholito. So it's this, like the mini version of it. So when we have you know, winemakers coming through. So cool. You know, like Constant Crush was here not too long ago. Julia Wines, Fernanda Para, she's this amazing winemaker in Mexico. And she's, you know, making this like stellar Chenin Blanc and some really fun things. So they'll come and we'll do like smaller versions of that where it's like, hey, come meet the winemaker. Like it's an opportunity for a team to meet them, for like guests to have a, they don't have to buy tickets to it, right? Like they can just come and be a part of it rather than like, Show Lavino was kind of a larger production. There was a DJ, there was like, you know, there's a food component to it. Yeah. So this one is just a little bit more accessible, but we're turning Show Lavino into more of like when there's a visiting chef doing that plus wine. And then like Sholito will be more of the like monthly interaction. It's so brilliant. I love that that world traveling dog is your is your symbol (laughs) for it. I'm just like, because that's what wine does. You travel through different people's minds and countries and places and soils and you know it's it's so transportive yeah, and, and by the end of it they just feel so much more comfortable because we divide them up into different tables no more than like five or six people and they yeah. all don't know each other so we're like hey let's all be in this together the first class you're gonna be like and then the last <laughs> class you're all gonna be friends i've seen so many people like, exchange let's numbers, speed but, date <laughs> You know, and, and I love like it. I didn't know what skin contact wine was. Yeah. And I just assumed orange wine was to, you know, whatever it might be. Like I've never had a cop franc before. I don't know what that even means. How where how does it get made? Where does it come from? Yeah. But they just geek out and I'm all about it. So. I love that. I know there's no dumb questions in wine. I say it all the time. I'm like, it's a complex like topic. So if you think there's orange juice and orange wine, that's a very logical thing to think. It's called orange wine. Like, you know, I never try and make people feel bad about that stuff. I'm so with you. So what, in your opinion, is like the ultimate pairing of like Nixta tacos and a glass of wine? I know that's hard, but like for you Mm. personally, what's the perfect pairing? Or grape or style. Like I drank sparkling rosé from Spain when I was there and it was awesome. It nailed. It was just, it slayed. Yeah. We have this, what I'm loving right now, cause it always changes. Like mm-hmm. I think bubbles all the time with everything, but we have this Slovakian skin contact wine. It's a hundred percent Pinot Gris and it has this like really nice grip and nuttiness to it. And Ugh. I think it just brings out, like, I think in a lot of our dishes, they're, familiar and unfamiliar in a way that's like this feels like it's Mexican food but it's not at all like Mm -hmm. it's definitely kind of a cross-section of our upbringing 
as like first generation Americans. But this one in particular, I think just has like so many layers to it. It has like really bright acidity, but it has this like kind of mature nuttiness in there too. Ugh. And it's just like this great blend between it. I'm I'm really loving that right now. I just did a chef's kiss. That sounds, I wish <laughs> I was drinking that. I wish I was eating your food and drinking that wine right now. What do you think has been like as a business owner, what's been the most challenging moment for you and Edgar, for you personally? Like, was it one moment, one service, one leak, one thing breaking? Obviously, the pandemic was really hard for everybody. That pivot was real. But Mm -hmm. I feel like you have done this with so much grace and elegance and passion that it's, you know, people from the outside don't always see how hard hospitality can be. Yeah, they don't see you crying behind a dumpster. <laughs> yeah. I, I did like three days ago. I, w- <laughs> I would say, <laughs> thank God. Thank God for Those dumpsters. big ass dumpsters yeah. to hide behind. <laughs> I like, I honestly just want to live a life of being Oscar the Grouch in a dumpster. Like so misunderstood. But I would say, I would say the most challenging thing is, and we talked a little bit about this while you were here, is, is your crew. Is, mm, yeah. you know, you're, I, I feel a responsibility to wherever the wind may blow them. If it like leaves them at Nixa, if it blows them further away, like my responsibility is to have them feel like they're in a better place, much better place here than they were before. Like intellectually wise, like educationally wise, how do they feel? Do they feel more confident, confident in what they're doing and all of that? So I don't know if you had a third eye or you gave Ojo or you had insider knowledge from Fern, but Fern just let me know like, Hey, I, I want to continue my wine journey and I'm moving on in this like way. So Fern is our wine coordinator and just like a doll and Mm -hmm. so like, so thoughtful and intentional in the way that they've carried on the program that I've started. And I just like, a part of me was like, yes, fly, baby, fly. <laughs> but another part of me is like, oh man, they, it's, it, it's just so bittersweet. You're you know? starting like, from ground I, zero again. I mean, that's the reality of the feeling. I mean, not that Fern shouldn't do that. He didn't, by the way, Fern did not tell me anything. I think I asked <laughs> you, you inspiringly invest so much in your employees and their enrichment and I think I said to you, like, but what if they leave? <laughs> yeah. Like, now I feel like it was yeah. like a weird thing to say, but because now he's leaving, yeah. but it's selfless. It's really inspired. It inspired me a lot. I was like, wow, like that is a level of commitment that I don't even know if I have, you know, I love to cultivate, yeah. but I've had yeah. so many people leave. I've poured myself into so many yeah. employees and then yeah. they leave. And I think at this point, I'm a little like, it's cool. We'll keep pouring we'll keep overflowing the cup because like you have to, there's no other way. If you create privation, then they're not going to want to stay. I would say that's, yeah, most recently, just something I've been thinking about. There's been, you know, it's, you've, you've towed the line of, you want to, I don't know. I've never been, I've never felt like a boss, you know, in the way that's like, I'm your boss, but (laughs) I think sometimes you have to have like difficult conversations with people and vice versa. And I think for me, even though I've, 
I've outside of Nixta, I've like mostly been in managerial roles. Like it for me has never gotten easier. Like I don't know what it is. That's always been the challenging part. And I think it's because there is this, you know, a kind of a more new guard approach to management that's more empathetic. You know, you you have a little bit more emotional intelligence. And mm-hmm. for that reason, it makes it way more challenging, even when you know that like something might not be a good fit or someone is kind of like, you know, take a new path. Like, yeah, whatever the reason is, like those conversations have never gotten easier for me. And hence the crying behind the dumpster. But I would say, you know, new business owners out there, like you can do it. And there's going to be some hard things, but at the end of the day, you're constantly learning and growing and evolving and, you know, they got occasional crying, but you got it. I I have like very high emotional intelligence. I think you do as well. I'm over communicator. And I think one thing I've learned in management is and and ownership because you're not just a manager you're an owner which opens you up to this whole other level of liability where you have to like kind of think about what you say etc in a whole new way but i've had to teach myself over time to say less you know and that's really hard because it's like every instinct of my being is like say more say more say more <laughs> and sometimes it's about saying less it's simplifying when you have to have those hard conversations God, it's so hard. Tell me about, is there a meal that you and Edgar have had in like the last year that was just absolutely mind blowing? Like anywhere, any meal, tell me about it. I want to live in your, in your shoes for a minute. Yeah. I cannot shut up about masala y maiz. It's in Mexico city. It is run by this powerhouse duo, Norman Saqib. They are doing something that I personally have not experienced in hospitality in the way that's like, I think hospitality extends beyond the guests and it really needs to start with your team and you got to treat them right before they can treat anyone else right. But they sort of implemented all of these different models of equity and ownership in their business with the team that I haven't seen before. They've implemented like this residency program where they have this space where visiting chefs can come and they take care of them. And, you know, in their wine program, it's very dynamic and very much focused on it treating the land right and treating your people right. But I mean, just like beautiful bottles I had never seen before. So we we end up our good homie Jose here, spelled with an X. <laughs> His sister's name is Shelly with an X. I'm like I'm loving all the exes. So it's his cousin, actually. And we visited their spot top to bottom. Every It's rare that like every dish that I have, I'm like, oh, shit, that's delicious. And that's how it was there. So they had this one. It was it felt like so simple. So their backgrounds, she's a Chilanga. She's from Mexico City. His family is African and I believe Indian. I could be messing that up. So it's this beautiful cross-section of cultures coming together. So in the dish, it was this aguacate criollo. So this like heirloom avocado with like super, super ripe, fresh mangoes that were like just like cultivated that day. And it was like perfect and delicious. And it had like a mess of herbs on there, like from their garden. It was like dill and like basil and mint and just... 
all kind of mix it just like simple olive oil, little bit of like citrus in there. But it was, it was one of the best things I've eaten because I was like, okay, they've taken care of all these things. Like the avocado itself is super small and the skin is so thin that you can eat it all. But like every ingredient in there was like, you know, Shania Twain, she's like, treat me right. Mm, you know, and Shania. like, you know, they make that restaurant feel like a woman, Ugh. you know, like a, a good, it, like go there, everyone go eat there. Like I'm booking that's my one flight. I recommend. Yes. I can't talk about the meals in Iran. We went in January, but like had, I don't know, just whenever Iran opens up, we'll do another episode. I feel like it's a separate podcast because I am so interested in, in Iran and Iranian food and I'm dying to go there. So we're going to need to table that. Sarah, you're the best. I could talk to you forever. But before we wrap, I like to do yeah. a little rapid fire right now. So you just answer whatever your instinct is, whatever you're feeling. It's really easy. Are you down? I'm down. Let's All go. Right, let's get it. Okay. White or red? White. Nice. Light or full? Full. Mm, orange or rosé? Right now, rosé. Mm, fill in the blank. Fried chicken plus? Champagne, baby. Yeah, baby. Truffles <laughs> or caviar? <laughs> it's a stumper. Caviar. Caviar. It's more shareable. It's more shareable. I love that. So communal, your spirit. Current drink order. Aperol spritz. I'm basic. That is not basic. (laughs) So delicious. What else do you want? What else do you want from a beverage? Oh, it's so perfect. Yeah, it's great. I love that. Sarah, your dream. Can you tell everybody where they can find you? Follow along, get more info on what you're doing, who you are, how they can be a part of it. Yeah, you can find me hopefully at Ellen's house all the time to <laughs> hang out. Yeah. But no, and in the in the meantime, you can find me at Nixa Taqueria. It's at 2512 East 12th Street, Austin, Texas. You can find me at Nixa Taqueria on Instagram. Mm. My specific one is at Sarah Martin Biggie. You will not be able to spell it. We'll spell it for yeah. you in the show notes. Yeah. I'll be here sweating in Austin, Texas for the next like six months. So come and see me. Let's be in a sauna together. We'll just walk outside and get a facial. It's really fun. It's an easy flight. I just did it. It's like two and a half hours. Please, everyone go. I can't even. It was my favorite thing I ate in Austin. Best thing I ate. Oh, really? Yes. Yes, it really was. We ate a bunch of places and I was like, this is the shit. This is the most flavorful. It's the most soulful. It's the best. Thank you. Thank well, you. I know you've meant a lot to Edgar. You've meant a lot to me. Like you're you're a unicorn. You're so special. Like mm. this is a dream. Thank you so much. All right. Well, everyone stay tuned because we're going to have a part two to this conversation later this year. Sarah, thank you for taking the time out of your day. It was such an honor. Thank you. Yeah. Stay you're cool. No, you are. <laughs> <laughs> no, you. No, you. Sarah is the best. Again, I cannot encourage you enough. If you're in Austin, going to Austin, go to Nixta. It is so delicious. It's elevated. It's on another level. The corn is so special. She's so special. Edgar's so special. Please go check them out. I put all her information in the show notes. But uh, if you want to check out what Helen's Wines is doing, you know where to find me at Helen's Wines on Instagram. You know where to find me online, helenswines.com. Join the wine club, send gifts nationwide. You know the deal. Thanks, y'all, for listening. Be well. 